yet. <laughs> we're going to jump into the book of Matthew, chapter 25, and we're closing out this series in the next, we have three weeks left, and it's, it's hard to believe because we started this series back in December, and I have so enjoyed my time studying through the book of Matthew and reading through it and, and uh, just kind of getting a fresh taste of that book, and I hope that, that you've enjoyed this experience as well. And uh, so we are looking forward to wrapping up, not that it's going to be over, but that the end of the story is the best part. So um, as we get closer to Jesus' death and resurrection, this is one of the last um, stories before that time comes. And uh, before we get into the text this morning, uh, I want to tell you a little story about when I was a kid. Um, there were two things in our house that took up most of our time. The first was church, and the second was sports. And other than like the basics of like stuff that we had to do, like going to school and eating and sleeping, like most of my free time was either spent at church or at um, sport, doing something related to sports, either watching sports on TV or playing sports in the backyard or, or competing with my friends or participating on teams. And like most kids my age, I had completely realistic expectations of my future as it related to sports. I was, you know, modest expectations. I was only going to be the first player to ever play in both the NBA and the NFL and probably Major League Baseball too. And then after I was the greatest athlete of all time in all three of those sports, I would retire and transfer to the PGA Tour where I would set the record for the most majors won. Completely realistic expectations, right? That was, that was my dream. And I, I remember watching guys like Chris Carter and Randall Cunningham who played for the Vikings and, and thinking how cool it was that, that they accomplished all these great things on the football field. And then when they would come on camera and they would be interviewed, they would talk about their faith in Christ and they would give glory to God. And my thought was, listen, if I can just be the greatest athlete that ever lived, I will give all the credit and all the glory to God and he's going to honor that. And I, I just wanted to use my incredible talent to do that and to give glory to God. Well, it wasn't until a little bit later that I realized I was going to be just under six feet. I could barely touch the rim, much less play above it. Um, I wasn't all that fast, and I didn't like to lift weights. <laughs> so the NFL was kind of out, too, at that point. Um, I quit baseball in junior high to focus on my dreams of becoming an NBA superstar, so that dream died, but at least I still have golf. And so I'm still thinking that my professional career could start sometime. I, I could still be one of the greatest golfers that ever lived. No, <laughs> uh, what, I, what I eventually realized is that even though I wanted to be a professional athlete, I lacked the ability and the talent to do it. And if God hadn't um, given me anything uh, um, in that area that it, what, what he had given me, it wasn't suited to help me be an NBA player or a professional baseball player or a professional football player. So once I gave that dream up, it allowed me to find fulfillment in a different part of my life. It allowed me to follow the calling and the plan that God had for my life. And this morning, we're going to read the parable of the talents and I love this parable because it gives us clear direction on what's expected from us. And, and there are five things at the end of this message that, that we're going to look at that this parable teaches us about 
this time that we have on earth and what God expects us to do with it. And we do have a responsibility. We do have something that God has entrusted us with. And so let's begin this morning in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start at verse 14. And uh, we'll just kind of read through it and then go back and, and pull some different lessons from this passage of Scripture. So verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now, just to give you a frame of reference, last week, if you remember, we talked about the parable of the ten virgins. So Jesus is continuing this theme of his return, that he's going to leave this earth for a time that we don't know what it is. In fact, in this parable, he says for a long journey, and then he's going to return at some point. And uh, so when we looked at the parable of the, the ten virgins, uh, we learned that that his return would catch people unprepared. And this, this is another parable about that, about that return that Christ is going to make. And so um, verse 15 says, To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. Now, I learned this, this this week, actually, that a talent is not a type of currency. I always thought of it as like a specific kind of currency. It's not. It's a unit of measurement. It's, it's like a weight. So a talent of iron would be worth a certain amount, but a talent of gold would probably be worth a lifetime of wages. It was a significant amount of money. And so I believe the implication here is that this... This master of the house is entrusting his servants with a significant sum of money. Uh, all right, verse 16. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, we don't know anything about how they multiplied the money, only that the first two doubled what they were given, the third buried his in the ground and did nothing with his. Verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I made you two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy the, enter the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward and said, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seeds. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him 
who has the 10 talents. Now, I'm going to just say this here. I'm going to plant this seed in your mind. That part always bugged me. You know why? It's not because he took the one talent away from the lazy servant and gave it to somebody else. It's because he gave it to the one with 10. Why didn't he give it to the one with four? Right? We're going to get back to that. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> then verse 29 says, For to everyone who has will be given, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant in the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now there's a lot in this parable, and I just want to walk you through these five things that stood out to me as, as I read through this. First of all, everything belongs to the master. Everything belongs to the master. Look, look what Jesus says here. It says, the master went away and entrusted the, these servants with something according to their own ability. At no point in this story, and, and I probably would have thought this if I hadn't read it a little bit more closely, at no point in this story were the talents given to the servants as their own personal property. It was always the master's investment, and they were just managers. Even at the end of the story, when it's like, um, give it to the one with, with 10, he's giving it to him to manage that additional talent, not to keep. And that's, that's a principle that applies to the way that we live our lives. Everything that you have has been given to you by God and is ultimately his. You don't own it. You didn't create it, right? He created you. He created everything in this earth, and he's entrusting you with what you have. You're just a steward of that gift until he returns. Now, it wasn't for their enjoyment. It wasn't for their pleasure. It wasn't for their own personal investment portfolio. It was for the master, right? Their service was to serve him, was to, was to bring a return on what he invested in their lives, And that should change everything about the way that we live our lives. Right? When we start to think that my life isn't for my own enjoyment, that I was placed here on this earth not so that I could fulfill all the dreams that, that are in my head and the things that I want for me and my family. No, you were placed on this earth to be a servant of the Most High King. And everything that you have has been entrusted to you by Him. And you honor him and you serve him by being obedient with what he's given you, by being faithful with what he's given you. And so while we're here on this earth, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to honor God with what's been given to us. We can live for ourselves or we can live for him. And if, if we change our perspective, it, it probably changes the way that we manage our finances. It probably changes the way that we manage our time. It probably changes the way that we manage our relationships. In fact, every area of our life should change if this is what we truly believe. If we believe what Scripture says, that our life is a gift from God, then our lives should be a reflection of that gift as well. Okay, the second thing I already alluded to this a little bit. Life is not fair. How many of you ever told your kids that before? Or your parents have told you that before? We've been telling that to our kids a lot lately. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it seems like, like, ah, oh, you know, that idea of unfairness is, is such a struggle, right? We just want everything to be fair. And, and that's probably the part of this parable that I struggled with the most. How is it that the person, um, one, in the beginning has been given five times more than the person with one talent, and then at the end, he's given even more when it's taken away from the one who was unfaithful with that? You know why I struggle with that? It's because of my own insecurities, right? It's because I'm looking at my life and thinking, well, listen, I don't have as much talent as this person, and I can't do the things that this other person does. In fact, even like I look at other pastors, and I'm like, man, I wish I could preach like them. I wish I could lead like them. I wish I had this ability or that ability. I wish I could do these different things. And that insecurity in my heart has led me to a, a comparison with somebody else thinking, oh, man, God, why didn't you give that to me? Why didn't you put that in me? And it leads to this feeling of unfairness. Right? You ever been there before? Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor. Maybe you look at the car that they drive or the house that they live in or, or the job that they do, and you're like, why couldn't that be me? God, why couldn't you have given that to me? In fact, I've prayed that exact prayer before. I'm just being transparent here this morning, okay? Maybe you are more spiritual than I am, but I have prayed that prayer. God, why couldn't that have been me? And until we're willing to get past that point and understand that life is not fair, that everything that you have isn't equal with the person next to you, listen, you're never going to be able to find the freedom that comes from the next truth that we're going to look at, and that's that you're only accountable for what you've been given. Now that is a relief, right? That's a freedom from this burden, because if you've been entrusted with more, then you have a higher responsibility. Listen, if the first guy would have come back with two talents, like the second guy, would the master's response have been as, as good? Maybe, I don't know. Um, if, 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 that's, if he was honestly, genuinely doing the best that he could and, and he was faithful with that, maybe that would have been enough. But his expectation was to come back with five talents because he had been entrusted with five talents, right? And sometimes we put a crushing weight on ourselves when we put expectations on our lives that God has not put on you. And so if you're looking at everybody else thinking, why can't I have that? Then you have to understand that God has gifted them with that ability for a reason. He's entrusted them with that responsibility. And now they're accountable to be faithful with that gift as well. And you are only accountable for the things that God has entrusted you with. So listen, if you don't make a lot of money and uh, you're, you're maybe on the lower side of the income spectrum, well, God only expects you to be faithful with what he's given you. But somebody who's maybe wealthier, God has entrusted them with more. Now they have a greater responsibility. They're responsible to be faithful with what God has entrusted them with. If it's talent or ability, God has only given you um, what he's given you for a specific purpose, for a reason. And if you are faithful with that, that's all that he requires. That's all that he asks. In fact, the reward that he gave the two servants, listen, the, the one guy ended up with more talents than the guy with two talents, but both of them got the same congratulations. They both said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master, right? It was the same reward for both of them because they were faithful 
with what they'd been given. Now, as I said, uh, we have um, we have different things that we've been entrusted with, but what's required of us is faithfulness in each of those areas. That brings us to the third thing. Oh, I want to share this first of all. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that. Okay, getting sidetracked. All right. Next thing is that talent is both given and developed. Now, this is confusing because talent in this story is not talent. It's, it's, it happens to be like this weight, this measurement. And so this, this story gets kind of mixed up, right? It's like they use both the word talent and ability, and talent is referred to the currency, and ability is, is the talent. Uh, and that's just an unfortunate reality in our English translation, okay? They wouldn't have had this confusion in the original language that it was written in. Um, but in the same way that we're, responsibility, or we're responsible for the things that God has entrusted us with, we're also responsibility for developing our abilities as well. Um, now, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but AJ is one of the best guitar players that I've met. And I, I know a lot of really good guitar players. In fact, um, my uh, roommate in college was a guitar major, and, and I, I know a lot of different musicians, but I love the way that AJ plays, and he does a great job. And you know what? I'm pretty sure, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure you didn't just wake up one morning and said, you know what? I think I'm going to get a guitar and start shredding a solo, like the immediate moment that you picked that thing up, right? It was hours and hours hours and hours and hours of practice, of playing scales, of, of listening to music, of, of working on that tone, of trying different pedals, all these different things that go into making a good guitar sound, right? It's, it's a development of ability. You know, and, and I look at this parable and I think, you know, what if, what if it wasn't necessarily about the natural ability that God had blessed the first servant with, what if he had developed the ability to handle the five talents before he was entrusted with, it, with his master? And the guy that had two, he had only developed his ability and his skill to that level, and, and the guy with one, the same way. You know, you're not only responsible for what God has entrusted you with materially and uh, in your life, but he's also entrusted you with, with skills and abilities and, and talents that, that he expects you to develop and grow and use for his kingdom. Now, um, I remember, I also remember the first time that AJ led worship here. And I, I remember that Michael and Andrew had to nudge a little bit, right, to get you to do that and to step out and do that the first time. I bet you were a little bit nervous the first time that you did that. Well, AJ led worship this morning, and you can see that how God has grown that ability as he stepped out in faithfulness in that area. We're, we're accountable for, for stretching ourselves and developing those talents and abilities. And listen, if you want God to entrust you with more, then you need to increase your ability to handle it, right? It's not just being faithful with what God's given you. It's learning the skills and developing the skills inside of you to be able to handle that and manage that. And so if you want to be useful in the kingdom of God, I know I do, Anybody else here want to be useful in the kingdom of God? you got to be faithful with what he's given you and develop the skills and the abilities um, that he's put inside of you so that when he entrusts you with the life of someone else, like 
especially as it relates to ministry, if you're investing in people, that's the most precious thing that God has entrusted to us as the church of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be faithful with that, if we're going to be, um, do well in that area, we need to learn how to develop our ability in that area. The last, uh, last thing I want to share in this is that um, we as the body of Christ um, make up different parts of us, make up one body, right? We read that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So, yes, we all have different talents and abilities. Some of them are God-given, right? There's some things that are inside of you that God has placed inside of you for a specific purpose. Some of those things are developed over time and you grow in that area. But listen, the amount of talent or ability is not what's important here. It's that we're all different and we all correspond. We all work together to form one body. Let's, let's go on and read verse 21 to 26 of that same chapter. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable bestow greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, is more presentable, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, I love that, God has brought us together, has composed the body. It's not just random people thrown together. He brought us as a church together for a specific purpose. He's composed us like a song, like notes on a music sheet that make a beautiful harmony, right? giving great honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So regardless of your level of talent, listen, uh, you can probably think of parts on your body that you'd rather lose than others, okay? Um, most of us would say our head is probably at the top of that list. You lose your head, you're in big trouble. But here's the reality. Every part of the body has significance and importance and and when you are, are failing to display what God has put inside you, when you're failing to be faithful with what he's entrusted you with, it's not just you that suffers. It's the entire body of Christ that's missing out as a result. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as insignificant, as unimportant. Listen, God has placed you here. He's brought you here. He's composed this body with the purpose of bringing us together so that we could fulfill the mission that God has given to us as the church of Jesus Christ. Last thing. This is a big one. There's going to be a cost for not being faithful. We read at the end of this passage, Matthew 25, 30, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, so what are you saying, Paul? If I don't do well enough with my life and my abilities here on this earth, I'm going to hell. Well, no, our salvation isn't 
tied to our works. Scripture's clear about that. We're saved by God's grace through faith. It's not about what you accomplish here on this earth that, that um, gets you to heaven. But what Jesus is doing here is showing us something that we read that he said many chapters ago. He said this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you do with your life represents what's inside your heart. If everything that you have in this life is invested into your own happiness, then can you honestly say that your heart is surrendered to Christ? Right? Jesus is making it really clear here. What you invest in shows where your heart's at. Now, I, maybe we need to ask ourselves the question, what am I investing in? What am I giving my life to? What am I doing that's worthwhile, that's important, that's significant? So I want to close with two questions this morning for you to think about. And we're just going to leave this really simply this morning, that these are options for us to think about that, that, we, can, that we can take home, that we can do something with. First of all, what have you been entrusted with? Just think about it in your life. What have you been entrusted with? Maybe it's money. Maybe, maybe you got an inheritance or a bonus, or maybe you've been gifted some money. Maybe you came into some extra money. Maybe you made some money on an investment. What are you doing with that to honor the Lord? Maybe it's a job, and you're thinking, yeah, I got a job, but I only make minimum wage. It's a job, right? What are you doing to be faithful with what God has given to you? Are you giving your effort into that job? Are you, are you investing your heart and your energy into that job? Because the point of this parable is the one who was faithful with the little things is going to be entrusted with more. So if you want to be entrusted with more, be faithful in that job. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a leadership position. Maybe it's a teaching position. Maybe it's your children. Now, it's weird to think about that, like, but Scripture is clear that, that our kids aren't our own. They're God's kids, right? They're His, and He's entrusted us with their care. So we want to be faithful with the most important thing that God is going to entrust you with. What have you been entrusted with? Everyone has something. If you're struggling to, to come up with the answer, you're probably thinking um, about comparison again. You're probably looking at what somebody else has and not realizing everything that God has entrusted you with. Each one of you in this room has been given incredible gifts and incredible abilities and incredible opportunities that other people don't have. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. Rather, be thankful for what he's given to you. Second question is, how are you growing it? How are you growing it? Remember, more is given to those who are faithful with what they have. You know, one day... We're going to answer for what we've done with what God has entrusted us with. That's what this passage is telling us. Will you be proud of what you've done with your life? Will you have a bunch of regrets? This isn't a guilt trip. Right? This isn't to make you feel bad. This isn't to make you think, oh man, my life has been a waste. This is a challenge. 
Because as long as you have breath, it's not too late. As long as you are walking and breathing and living, you have the opportunity to use what God has given you to honor and glorify him. As we close today, I just want to take a second and give an opportunity. I'd ask that you just bow your head and close your eyes. And if there's somebody in here today saying, I've I've wasted my life and I've given my life to a lot of of different things, but today I want to make a decision to surrender my heart to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. He's tugging on your heart, saying, "That's, that's you this morning. He's talking to you. And in this quiet moment, as, as God is speaking to you, I just want to give you the opportunity to say a prayer with me this morning to make that decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, just, just slip up a hand this morning so that, that we can pray with you today. For those of us here who are asking those questions, have I been faithful with what God has entrusted me with? I'm just going to ask that you take a second right now and just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Just show you that area that that you've neglected. Maybe it's a, a talent or an ability that needs to be developed. Maybe it's something that God's trusted you with that you've invested into your own life rather than into the kingdom of God. Maybe it's... Um, just a fear of failure that's holding you back from, from uh, seeing how God could use you in a specific area. But I want to just pray for you in this moment right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your body. We thank you that each person here has been um, brought here at like a, com- like a composition. Lord, you've brought us together to be the body of Christ, to walk in unity. Lord, you placed us here for a reason. And so if if we're not fulfilling what you've called us to, and we're not being faithful with what you've given to us, Lord, I pray that that you would speak to hearts right now, God, that you would convict us of that, Lord, so that we could be repentant, so that we could walk in the way that you've intended for us, so that we could be obedient with what you've called us to. Lord, we thank you that today is a new day. It's a new opportunity that every morning that we have with you, every day that we wake up and open our eyes is a new opportunity to live our lives for your glory. So God, help us to remember that. Help us to be obedient to that. We love you, Jesus. We give you praise. Your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We love you. See you next week. Remember, if you want to be baptized, let us know.